Hi, welcome to Church for the Harvest Online. We're so glad to have you tuning in with us today. If you're part of our local church family, I can't wait to see many of your smiling faces right here in these halls next Sunday. But until then, we've got a great service up ahead today, so let's jump right into it.
And I'm Jessica, and we are going to bring you a few quick announcements today. But first, happy Sunday! Woohoo! And we can celebrate this is our last Sunday for online church. Youth, we're going to continue to have our Zoom call together this Wednesday at 7 p.m. So you'll find the link on Snapchat, Facebook, or like always, contact Kim. Spring life groups have started, so check out what's available at harvestalexandria.com groups. It's not too late to jump in. Join us on Saturdays for Pray First. You can join us in person now. We'll have the church open and ready, practicing physical distancing. It starts at 9 a.m. See you there. If you're new to Harvest or have never attended a Church 101 class, please join us on the first Sunday of the month. It starts before church at 9.30 a.m. in the pre-K room. And this is an informational meeting about our church. Don't miss out. We are now searching for a media person here at church. So if you're a techie, great with media, and would like to help serve in this new role that we're looking for, email office at harvestalexandria.com for more information. Hey, Church for the Harvest, Danny here. I just want to give a quick, big shout out to everyone who came out and donated blood um, at our blood drive last week. It was a great event. Um, we collected 40 units of blood, which is really awesome. We blew our goal of 30 units out of the water. Um, I can't wait to do this event again in the future. Um, and just a big, huge thank you to everyone that helped with the event, everyone that came out and volunteered, everyone that made thank you cards. Ben and Gracie Rackstead and the Wick Kids, we really appreciated that. That was such a nice touch to um, give to our donors after they came in. Um, we had a really yummy meal for everyone that Lisa Bowden catered from DJ's Tap House. Um, it was just a great event. It was great to be back in the church. I am so unbelievably excited to see you all next week. So thank you so much to everyone that donated. Um, you guys really saved someone's life. So it's a really neat event. See you guys next week. Last but not least, please continue to email your prayer request to harvestalexandria.com slash prayer. We really want to hear from you and any prayer requests that you have for you or your loved ones. That's all for now, folks. <laughs> See you next Sunday. See you next Sunday. Good morning, church. This is Stacy Daggy, and I am a part of guest services. And I want to say blessing and peace on you today. And I'm going to give you a quick uh, little message on uh, tithing. Um, but I, I was thinking of um, how much is too much money to make? You know, we go to work to make money. We'll just be transparent and honest here. We're going to work to make money. And we want to have money to pay our bills. We want money to put money away for the future, money for... Um, fun things to do. Of course, we want to be good stewards. And we often pray, you know, God bless me so I can be a blessing. But have you ever thought of how much is too much? And here's the answer. It's whatever amount replaces trust. For one person, it could be a thousand dollars in the bank. For someone else, it might be a million, 10 million. Um, it's not the amount, it's the condition of the heart. So um, I'm going to read this uh, scripture. It says, Mark 10, 29 and 30, um, listen to my words, Jesus said. Anyone who leaves his home behind and chooses me over children, parents, family and possessions, all for the sake of the gospel, it will come back to him a hundred times as much in, in this lifetime. Homes, you're leaving family, mothers, brothers, sisters, children, possessions, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, he will inherit eternal life. So Jesus is using a description 
announcing to those who have left everything to follow him that they will have access to unlimited resources to accomplish what they've been called to do. So we have this expectation for increase, right? And I know we automatically think of dollars because it's easy to measure, but there's so many things. Money isn't always the answer. It could be um, a promotion. It could be a position at your job change. It could be an idea. It could be a song. Um, it could be an invention. So it's the fact that God is giving us access to his mystery realm because he's longing to communicate with us. Um, he's longing to communicate the nature of his heart, um, the nature of his mind, the nature of, um, gosh, just giving us access to the mystery realm because he wants us to have access um, because he wants to give us the secret things, um, the mystery of God, trusting God and pursuing God. So disciples left everything to follow Jesus, right? They have nothing. So before Jesus goes, he says to them, I'm going to give you 100 times back to your life, in this life. He wasn't saying I'm going to give you mansion on hilltops. Um, I'm not going to give you, you know, millions of dollars, um, you know, for nothing. But I'm going to give you access to unlimited resources to accomplish all you've been called to. Why? Because you trusted him. He says, you trusted me without so I'm going to trust you with. And I believe the Lord is, bring, is raising up Mark 10 people um, that we will be like the disciples, leaving everything to follow Jesus, where our Lord gives us access to unlimited resources to accomplish all we've been called to do, to build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So if you will hold your resources um, or just even hold your hands out, I'm going to um, pray a blessing over um, you and your tithe and I just declare and decree that you are the head not the tail you are above and not beneath and you are highly favored by the Lord so King Jesus we just thank you we thank you for um, the resources you're giving us and we just ask that you bless and multiply that you those resources that you will increase the things that you're giving us and that we will be a blessing um, to others but also that we, you are, we are trusting you. Increase our faith, Daddy God, to give us all the things that we need for the for our calling. That our resources are there for us to accomplish the calling that you have on our lives. We just bless these people. We bless that you are doing a new thing. We we say yes, Lord, to the new thing that you're doing in our in our homes, in our community, in our nation, and in our world, Father God. We thank you, King Jesus, you are still on the throne and that we are trusting you for the things we cannot see. Have an awesome day um, to our church and our listeners. Um, there's multiple ways that you can um, give. You can give online. You can do text to, to give. Um, you can mail in the old-fashioned way. Multiple ways so that God can um, bless you and, and continue to bless your resources. Have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Hello Church, wanted to give you two quick easy ways to continue your giving. Simply download the Alexio Community app and create your account. The first one is the Alexio Church app. Select Give, enter your amount, method of giving, and fund. You also have an option at the bottom to make this a recurring or a one-time gift. Select Next and choose Give 
to submit. It's that easy. Another quick and easy way to give is text to give. The initial setup goes like this. Text an amount to 320-300-4311 and you will receive a link back very quickly. Click on the link, enter your information, select the fund you wish to give to, and enter the method of giving and amount. Then click Submit. It's that easy. In the weeks to come, all you do is text your amount to 320-300-4311 and send. Hey, good morning, Church for the Harvest family and friends. We want to welcome you to our online Sunday service today. Uh, we pray that you have a blessed uh, Memorial Day weekend this weekend. And thank you for tuning in. We want to give a shout out to all uh, uh, family, church family, extended family, uh, East Coast, West Coast, down South. Thank you. Thank you for your uh, support and tuning in to these broadcasts uh, each week. And so I uh, just want to uh, give a, a shout out to uh, uh, my daughter, Mariah, out there in uh, uh, San Diego. We're just proud of you. We love you. She's serving in the Marine Corps, and I'm just super, super proud of her. Uh, so, but I want to talk to you today 
about following Jesus, following Jesus. This is a series, the fourth week in our series that we've continued with on our Following Jesus series. And I subtitled this message, Looking Back, Looking Back. <clears throat> so take a moment with me, if you would, <clears throat> and uh, let's take a moment and pray over this message. Father, I just thank you for this morning, all those that are tuning in. Uh, I just bless them here today. I ask that you speak through me and give to them what they need here today in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So uh, we're just continuing here with our fa uh, uh, Facebook Live and, and also you can catch us on YouTube, our Harvest YouTube channel. Uh, and it would be great if you would subscribe to that because then you would just get automatic updates in your inbox there on your YouTube and as other videos go out. Uh, just a quick note, we will be resuming uh, in-person uh, services next Sunday, the 31st, which is Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. And so we will have services starting at 1030 and we will have a Facebook Live uh, around 11, 1110. We'll go live with the message. And if those of you that are not able to attend in person, perfectly fine. You can join us for the message at that time. So praise God. You know, my text is Luke chapter 9. We've been sharing this each week. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. And we said that Jesus said uh, about at least 20 times in the New Testament, in all four Gospels, follow me. And that's what this series is about, following the Lord. Last week we talked about baggage, how we carry excess baggage. We used the story, excuse me, of Achan and how he uh, kept the forbidden thing. He tried to bring forbidden baggage into the promised land and he was dealt with. And, and we talked about that. But I want to talk to you about not looking back in the cost of following Jesus here today. But I just want to read a story about a farmer and his son. And there's an old story about a farmer and a son who wanted to plow his father's field. So the son wanted to plow the dad's field. And so the father eventually agreed to let him try. He was a younger, younger boy. And, and he told his son, he said, I want you to look straight ahead on a faraway object as you're plowing down the field. And so this is going to give you straight rows as you keep your eye fixed uh, ahead. So his son said, yeah, yeah, I get it, Dad, I get it. And after a while, the father came back and he saw his son uh, was doing, <clears throat> was plowing the field only to see that his, the, the rows were all crooked. They were all over the place. And he walked up to the son and he asked him, hey, what happened? The son said, well, I did what you said, Dad. I, I focused on an object. There was a cow that was in front of me, and I kept looking at that cow. Well, his eyes were distracted. <clears throat> Anytime the cow moved, he moved. And you know what? That's a spiritual uh, point, uh, how we are to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen? The scripture says that we are looking, we should look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And hear me, looking unto Jesus, watch this, doesn't mean just looking on a Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. It's every day we need to look to Jesus. I need to look to Jesus every day. And, and, and we'll talk about that practically, getting in his word and being a worshiper of him. And so 
Jesus says, follow me, follow me. So if we follow him, we have to look at where Jesus is going, where he's taking us. Amen. And so Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62. I'm just going to read this as our context today. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. You know, I hear that a lot. It's kind of like people today say, Jesus, take my life. You're in a powerful worship service or a special meeting or you hear a powerful message and you're really moved and, you know, we really consecrate ourselves to the Lord. And Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And, and Jesus said this. He said, foxes have holes, dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And so that guy didn't like that, I guess, and didn't follow the Lord. Jesus said to another man, he said, follow me. But then he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, you know what? Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. See, it isn't Jesus was saying, I'm not into funerals. That's not what the Lord is saying. The Lord was saying is, where is your priorities? Funerals are important. We are to rejoice in the life of an honored uh, servant, uh, a man and woman of God. And and we were to revere that, and those are important. So Jesus wasn't dissing, you know, funerals, but this guy was coming up with an excuse, and Jesus saw that in his heart. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. <laughs> you know, family's a big thing, and it should be a big thing. But hear me, we should not watch this. God has not called us to place our family above our relationship with Jesus. Did you hear that? We're to love your family with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But you know what? We're to love our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He is priority in our lives. Can you say amen? So Jesus says in Luke 9, 62, Jesus replied, watch this, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's a pretty riveting statement right there, pretty powerful verse. Another translation says it this way, and it says this, no one, no one, excuse me, having laid his hand upon the plow and looking on the things behind. Did you get that? Looking on the things behind is fit for the kingdom of God. What is Jesus' message? Jesus' message is, hey, you follow me. Stop making excuses. And some of us have been making excuses our whole life. Hey, when I get around to it, you know what? When I get married and we start having kids, you know, then we'll start to follow Jesus. And it's just excuse after excuse. Jesus is calling you and I now here today to follow him. Can you say amen? He's saying, don't let the things of this world get in your way. There, there, there's so many things that are urgent out there that distract us and, and, and all these material desires. And, and Jesus said, hey, hey, you follow me. You follow me first. Make that a priority in your life. So now getting to the point of my sermon here about looking back, looking back. Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 19. In the Old Testament, first book in the Bible, Genesis 19. It's here we see, I could say, one of the most memorable and one of the most terrifying events in the life of Abraham's nephew, Lot. I want to talk to you a little bit about Lot and especially Lot's wife. And it might be one of the most memorable events in all of the Old Testament. Lot and especially his wife. So little history here, I'll just read. When Abraham responded to God's invitation to follow his lead out of the land of Ur and into a foreign land, 
where he would establish his household and his nephew Lot. And Lot brought his whole household with him as well. And, and so the two families, they get meshed together, coming, coming into this, you know, promised land. God calls Abraham out. Lot comes with him and he has all his belongings. And, and so then they have sheep and cattle and, and there's some contention. How many of you know when you start throwing families together in tight proximity? Come on, somebody. Uh, People can get on their nerves. Right now, wives, don't grab your husband's neck and start choking him. Amen? <laughs> but, but we get on each other's nerves. and Well, that's what happened. And, and, and Abraham said, you know what? Uh, we just kind of got to part our ways and go our separate ways. And, and, you know, the land isn't big enough for both of us. And, and, so, <clears throat> and so, so Abraham, he took the high road. And he told Lot, he said, Lot, you choose whatever plane. If you want to go east, I'll go west. If you want to go west, I'll go east. And, and so here's what Lot did. Lot, Lot looked around, his nephew, Abraham's nephew, and he goes, Wow, man, the plains of Sodom look really good. They look really nice. There's a lot of water there. I can take care of my cattle, and I can increase. And the Canaan land, it's kind of dry and arid. And So I'm going to take the best spot. You know what Abraham did? For the sake of peace, hear me, for the sake of peace and tranquility in, in his family, and extended family, that's okay, go ahead, Lot. And he let Lot go. And Lot took that and moved that way and head that way. And so the Bible says that Lot chose the lush land of the Jordan Valley. And Abraham, he agreed and stayed in the less attractive land of Canaan. Now notice Genesis, watch this, Genesis 13, 12. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan. But Lot settled among the cities of the Jordan Plain. And then it says something very interesting. Get this. Highlight this in the Bible. Some of you need to tweet this or, or, or give a thumbs up. It said, Lot pitched his tents near Sodom or towards Sodom. I want you to get that. Lot pitched his tent. So, so what does that mean that Lot pitched his tent? Well, that's what they had. That was their households. They were mobile, you know. They had tents. They were kind of nomads, you know, wanderers in the desert. And in other words, so Lot, he heads towards Sodom. And we'll talk a little bit about the, the grotesqueness and the wickedness of Sodom. But he heads towards Sodom because that was the nice area. That was attractive. That was uh, glamorous. That was uh, beautiful. It was lush. He heads towards there and it says he pitched his tent towards Sodom. I want you to get that. And he said, so he sets up his camp near Sodom. And, and, and we know from the Bible that it was a, a, an unusually wicked place. Uh, just was a wicked, wicked uh, place that was sinning greatly against the Lord, the Bible says. And so here's the thing. When he pitched his tent, you know, every tent would have an opening. So basically, if you said, if you built a house and you said, I'm going to have my house facing the east where the sunrise, or I'm going to have it facing the west, the sunset, so I can be on the deck or the porch when the sun sets. And, you know, people do that. He pitched his tent, the opening of his tent towards Sodom. So what does that say? That says, hear me every day. Watch this. Every day he would get up, what, did, what would he do? Lot would grab his coffee, you know, and I don't know if they had heavy cream back then or not, whatever. But he would grab his coffee and he'd open his tent and the first thing he would see is Sodom. That's interesting. The first thing he would see is Sodom. You know, so I want to I throw this out to you and I. You know, what is the first thing you turn to when you get up in the morning? Hmm. 
You say, well, what, what do you look to? What is the first thing on your mind? Oh, what I got to get done today. I got to get my list today or, you know, I got to get my workout in or I got to get, you know, what am I, what's for food today? You know, you know, those things are important, but hear me. The first thing that you focus on, and is it phone, you know, what, what, what is my messages, you know, and who's texting me, and I got to respond to emails. Yeah, we know we have to take care of those things, but, but there's something about getting your heart settled, and what you focus on, hear me, day in and day out, is going to control your life. Amen? It's going to dictate a lot of where your heart eventually winds up. And we'll see that in the life of Lot. And so <clears throat> he pitched his tent towards uh, Sodom. And so I want to encourage you and just throw this out. What are you looking at? What is the thing that's constantly on your mind and your heart? You know, what is the thing that you have set before you that is kind of your go-to poison? Or your, 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 what is that? I, I, I don't know, but you know, and the Spirit of God knows. And if it's not the Lord Jesus Christ fixing our, our minds and our hearts on Him, my brothers and sisters and friends, you're going to be distracted. You're not going to run this race, this Christian race, with success. You're going to be diverted and exit and get off all these detours and, and not going to stay on the straight and narrow. Why? Because you're not fixing your eyes on the Lord. And, and, and many times in my life, I've gotten off track, gotten off track. Why? I haven't fixed my eyes on Jesus. So, you know, we said the sinfulness of Sodom and Gomorrah is well known. It was so much so that God basically said, I had enough. You know, the thing about God and his long suffering, people think like God, he's a judgmental God and he just deals with sin immediately. No, no, no. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> in, in Genesis here, it talks about the flood and it talks about a man named Methuselah. And he, you know, if you look up Methuselah, he's, he, he lived, they could live a long time back then before the flood. He lived 969 years. And his name means actually, when he dies, it shall come. And it's talking about the judgment. And so the year that Methuselah died, watch this, the flood came. You know what? That's a picture of God's long suffering. So some of you think that God's out to get you and he's long, you know, he's immediately and quick. No, our God is a long suffering God. But you see, sin has a way of building. It has a way of compiling unless we deal with it and it gets washed away. Can you say amen? And so when Methuselah died, the flood came. And look at it, the longest guy who lived recorded that we know from the scriptures, 969 years, that's when the judgment came. Our God is a long-suffering God. Can you say amen? But he does get fed up and have enough of with sin that's contaminating in mayhem. And that's what happened in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And even from a historical, archaeological find, when you dig in and you just search what they've discovered in that city, it's actually considered pornographic, a lot of the material, what they have excavated. And so God said he had enough and, and he was, as we was talking with Abraham one day in Genesis chapter 18, Genesis 18, 20, he said, I've heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah, God says, because their sin is so flagrant. In other words, it was just in the face, right there, open, open immorality, open perversion. He said, I'm going to destroy the cities. You know, when God said he's going to destroy something, there's nothing you and I, 
<laughs> come on now, or anyone, no government agency, you know, no blog, or, you know, no argument from somebody or a group of people or, you know, haters or whatever. Are gonna, not, that's not gonna, nothing is going to change when God says that this is going to be destroyed. It's going to be destroyed. And God, this is a picture, I believe, a picture and a statement to us all uh, in us here today in our modern day. God loves you. He's, he's long-suffering. But you know what? He hates sin, and he will deal with sin in a merciful way. He's, once again, long-suffering. And so the language used here is the same language when God said, I'm going to destroy the cities in, in Genesis 4.10, when, when, when Cain killed Abel. And, and God says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So you killed an innocent man and his blood is crying out. That's the same language. God said, I've had it. You know, the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah has come up and I'm going to destroy the city. Wow. Scary, scary moment. So Abraham, out of concern for Lot, he starts this negotiation. Because he knows Lot is, is there in, in that city. And he starts going and saying, Lord, would you destroy it if there was 50, 40, 30, you know, 10? Would you destroy the city if there's 10 righteous? And the Lord says, if there's 10 righteous, I'll not. Well, he knew Lot was in that city and his, you know, son-in-laws and his, and, and, and his daughters. And, and he knew there's about six of them there. And he thought, all right, I got it covered for Lot's sake. He's not going to destroy it. And so... I want you to notice this. It says Genesis 19.1 that the angels, two angels show up. Two angels show up. <clears throat> There's something interesting I read. And I just want to throw this out. There's a few chapters before. It talks about how three angels, two angels in, in the Lord, which I believe was Jesus incarnate that showed up to Abraham and was talking. But then in this chapter, it says two angels show up and go to see Lot. You know, I can't prove this, but it's just an interesting reflection how, how we orchestrate and walk our lives. And as we walk in a, in a way that's uh, worthy and honoring to God, you know what? God likes that company. Come on. Does someone hear what I'm trying to say? And three angels, you know, two angels and Jesus showed up to Abraham and just two angels went to go see Lot. Hmm. Just an interesting reflection. And so in Genesis 19:1, Lot sat at the city's gates when the two angels arrived. Lot had become a leader in that community. If you dig into this a little bit, you'll notice that if you sat at the gate, there was some type of a, a position of authority that you had as the gate was kind of the opening to the city. And so maybe it was time, he was on call on duty, and so maybe he was uh, somewhere in the uh, civil service there. Uh, uh, maybe he was on the city council or something like that, or some believe that he may have been the mayor of Sodom. Can you imagine that? The mayor, Lot, he becomes the mayor. And uh, that's a, how many know that's a level of influence in the city? And so it's possible that he was either a judge or something in that city in, in, because he sat there. And so you would think that in that place of influence, coming with the lineage of, of Abraham and God bringing them out of the land of Ur and bringing them into their own promised land, that he would have some level of influence where he's at. Come on, somebody. You know, if you're taken from where you're at right now and you were planted somewhere, transplanted, and, and you were to be a salt and light, the question is, would you become salt and light or would you just resemble the community that you're in? 
Amen. Uh, that may be very convicting, but it, it should be. It should be. It doesn't mean you turn into this great universal evangelist that goes out, but you can still be salt and light while others think, you know what? We may not like you. We don't like the views that you espouse, but you know what? There's something different about you. There's something different about your marriage. There's something different about it. And, and it shouts God. And I, I may not like it and I may not be ready for that, but your life exemplifies Christ. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so uh, the Bible says that basically, uh, you know, you would think that Lot had some influence. He had, he had Zippo, zero influence. And you're going to see how far the influence goes down. So instead of being an influencer, and, ex and instead of being in a place that was ultimately wicked, watch this, changing the culture from the inside out, watch this, uh, being a, a, a powerful dose of salt and light, where he should have been, where he was, Lot and his family, watch this, allowed the sinfulness of the community around them to influence them. And they brought him down and his family. And, and that's what made Lot make one of the most, watch this, the horrific, if I could say it this way, the horrific decisions I've ever read of in the Bible. It is the most heinous thing I've ever heard of. I can't wrap my brain around uh, of it. Uh, it. It's actually pretty dehumanizing, and it's found in the early part of the 19th chapter of Genesis. These angels show up in the community, and they wanted to stay in the square, and Lot said, no, 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 please, come into my house. It's, it's basically not safe out here. Why can't I walk the streets, the angels thought. Well, they knew. It was utterly turned over to homosexuality, and it, it, it was it, totally immoral. Totally immoral. And so these angels stayed in his household that night, Bible says. And then the men of the city, watch this, they come out banging on the door and say, we see you got a couple guys there. And actually the Bible says, you read it, it's really clear. It says, we want to have, uh, we want to have immoral acts. I'm going to leave it at that with these men. And Lot, they're pressing against the door. You talk about flagrant. And they're pressing and Lot, pushes the door, comes out, says, don't do this. They're my guests and all that cultural thing. And, and I, can't get, I can't wrap my brain around this. And this is what he says. It's in your Bible. He said, take my two daughters who have never known a man. Do, it, you, do it with them what you want, but don't hurt these men. What? I don't... Uh, are you nuts? He was absolutely nuts. You could see how much he was given over to the wickedness in his culture. Oh, come on, somebody. And that's why it says in the New Testament, this is what, it's hard to fathom, but it says this. Even Lot, who was vexed, uh, Peter says, I believe, with the filthy conversation, uh, even him was considered righteous. Can you imagine that? God even considered him, even in that wicked state that he was uh, oppressed with, all of the wickedness around him, he still was a righteous one. Amazing. Amazing. What does that say? That, that we can be, hear me, as believers, as Christians, go pretty far down and deep. God loves you. And, but you see, sin, you know, you've heard this statement before. Sin is going to take you further than you want to go. Isn't that right? 
It's going to cost you more than you want to pay. It's going to keep you longer than you want to stay. That's right. We've all heard that. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And so, <clears throat> so that's kind of the story. Uh, you know, you would think he would be in a, a position of influence, but he got caught up in all of the wickedness. And, and he, he, you would think that his holiness, you would think that his lifestyle would have been something that would change it. And, and it didn't. The culture changed Lot. The culture corrupted Lot and his family. My brothers and sisters, we are to be uh, salt and light. We are to be those that, even though all the wickedness is going around us, we are to be uh, there as a staying force uh, by our virtue and our love for the Lord. Can you say amen? But the Bible says God was merciful on them and he warned, he warned Lot and his family that these cities are going to be destroyed and you need to get out. And that's what the angels were saying. And, and, and here's the thing. He says, now tell your family, get your stuff, get out. Get out right away, quickly. And so Lot, the Bible says, Lot, uh, he, he goes to his, his sons and he, he, you know, son-in-laws and he asks them, he says, hey guys, <clears throat> get your stuff together because God is going to destroy the city. They're basically like, get out of here. <clears throat> You're not crazy, man. Destroy the city? What are you talking about? We love it here. This is great. <clears throat> we love where we're at. Amazing. Genesis 19. Watch this. Genesis 19, verses 15 to 22. The Bible says, listen to how insistent these angels are in this verse. Genesis 19, verses 15 to 22. The angels say, get out. Go. Hurry. Don't stop. Don't hesitate. Get as far away as you can, as fast as you can, or you'll get caught up in the destruction. Did you hear that? The angels say, get out. Get as far away as you can. Don't stop. Don't look back. Go. Continue. Get out of here now, the scriptures say. Wow. Unbelievable, his response. It's just, it's just crazy, crazy. The angels were so insistent. Get out of there. And, and he just lallygags. He lallygags in his sons. And so you get this sense that Lot and his kids, they're, they're delaying, they're dragging their feet. And, and the angels are basically saying, hey, hey, what part of fleeing don't you understand? Get out of here. And, and so what was the problem? What was with the family? Well, the obvious. The obvious is they loved where they're at. They didn't want to leave. One commentator says this, that Lot and his family dragged their feet so much because they really didn't want to leave Sodom. And, and, and in a sense, it's understandable to a degree. To watch this, Sodom was their home. They didn't want to leave it. Come on now, we get, you know, comfortable where we're at. And a lot of times we get comfortable in our spirituality. How do we do that? The Bible says we compare ourselves among ourselves. You know what? You hear something, a negative thing about someone else. And, oh, it's grievous. And they did what? Oh, you know, they left their wife, husband. Oh, you're kidding. And, and then what do we just kind of get this sense? Come on now. This kind of, well, you know, we're doing okay. And, you know, we're, we're not doing bad as them. You know, we're not really screwing up. And so, so we, you know, we compare ourselves among ourselves, the scripture says. And when you do that, you're unwise. You're unwise. How many with me? Say amen. And so it was their home. They didn't want to leave. Hey, the family was well known in the community. <clears throat> the kids probably walked through the community and people were high fiving Hey, what's up? What's up? You lots, you know, kids. Yeah, you know, they, they, were, they were known. They were known in the community. And they were right in the thick of it. <clears throat> in other words, if I could say it this way, their hearts were in Sodom. Their hearts were in Sodom. And see, here's the thing. Watch this, friends. God was trying to bring them out of that wickedness. 
that destruction, that impending judgment. He was trying to bring them out of that to somewhere else, somewhere safe, <clears throat> somewhere full of life instead of destruction, and somewhere that would, they would flourish and they would grow and, and, and they would develop in, in a sense. And, and you know what? They wanted to stay. Wow. It's like our flesh today, right? We always want to stay. I usually use the analogy of a pig pen. It's like God delivers us from the pig pen, but, you know, pigs, they like it. They like going back, you know, back into the pig pen. And so this foot dragging refusal to leave the past behind eventually caught up with Lot's family. Now I want to read to you, and I'm kind of con conclude with this here, in, in, right here. Genesis 19.26. Genesis 19.26. This is probably one of the shortest biographies in all of history. And it says this about Lot's wife. Watch this. Lot's wife, when they began to, the angels physically pushing them out of the city. Destruction is coming. <clears throat> and Lot's wife, she grabs her stuff. She's lallygagging. The kids, they, 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 I don't even know if the sons even left. They, they, they stayed there. And, and she's leaving with Lot and his two daughters. And next thing you know, the Bible says in Genesis 19.26, Lot's wife looked back. She turned back and turned to a pillar of salt. She turned to a pillar of salt. Another translation says it this way. But Lot's wife, looking back longingly, and was turned into a pillar of salt. That's it. <clears throat> That's the summation of her life we find in scripture. Can you imagine that? It's just kind of on your tombstone. <clears throat> and all, all you put on it is basically, you look back. <laughs> that was it. And you died. You looked back. Uh, not a great epitaph. <laughs> I mean, hear what I'm saying, amen? And so <clears throat> we don't know anything else about her uh, other than she was married to Lot. And, and, but she, she was like, I could probably surmise that, you know what, she was a woman. That I just can't take it anymore with Lot and all of his crazy thinking about this God stuff and, and us having to leave. And, and she just, just didn't take it. She had to look back. Her heart was there. It was invested in, 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 in Sodom. And, you know, I'll throw up a picture here of, of, of uh, Lot's wife. I remember uh, being in Israel in that area in the, in the Dead Sea back in 1988. And, and this actually, this is a picture. Maybe they can throw that picture up here for a moment about Lot's wife. And it's like a pillar of, of salt. And it's, it's, it's known as that. And we don't know exactly if that's her there or whatever. But there's these monuments of this, uh, uh, of, of a sodium chloride and and so the moment she hesitated and she turned and she kind of ran back into, into uh, uh, Sodom, destruction, she got caught up in it. She got caught up. She was wrapped up head to toe in, in, in sodium chloride, just in, encased her, smothered, and, and she was entombed in this salt. In an instant, she became a statue. She became a statue. And so here's the thing. This wasn't a unique punishment against her, in a sense, because she looked back. She was receiving the same judgment that all the evil neighbors were receiving when God was raining down fire and burning sulfur. Or one translation is saying brimstone on those wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were wiped off the map, actually. They were wiped off the map. Historical, watch this little history, uh, geographers placed the two cities at the south end of the Dead Sea. 
And I remember being down that area and we went into a cave. Uh, it was actually uh, 110 degrees outside, but we went into this cave. It was almost seemed like it was air conditioned. And, and that was the area where all these monuments and pillars of salt were. I, salt were, I, I remember that. And so these two cities were at the end of the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is about 1,300 feet below sea level. I believe it's the lowest point on Earth. Interesting. And the Dead Sea is full of chemicals, salt, and, and it's full of the smell of sulfur. I remember floating in it. Uh, we had an afternoon that we could be at the Dead Sea and they said, don't open your eyes. It's 25% salt. And a lot of people use it for medicinal purposes and they soak in the ocean. And I tell you, it, yeah, I had a cut on me, whatever, clean that cut just like that. Uh, but you would float. It just would hold you up. Uh, so you know, I just want to, the picture would happen and God rained judgment down and he was either a meteor or an asteroid that came down and hit that. And you know, when, when something like that impacts, it's like an H-bomb. It's like an atomic bomb going off and everything that it hits immediately goes into the air. And all that sulfur and burning ash goes into the air and comes back down and it landed on those towns and, and, and it destroyed everybody in an instant, in a moment. Many people were encased in, the, in, the, in seconds in the position they, they were in and it was just horrible. And so here's the thing, don't make any mistake about this. This was no mere geological incident. This was an act of God. So it is what it is. It was an act of God. And by lingering behind and looking, Lot's wife chose to identify with her neighbors and all, all of those that were destroyed in that destruction. See, here's the thing. Lot's wife had an escape route. Did you hear that? God provided a way of an escape. Mm. She was offered, hear me, hear me. She was offered salvation if I could say it that way. Deliverance, freedom to get out of that wickedness. But she didn't take it. She didn't take what was offered to her. Wow. Amazing. She was paralyzed by her indecision. And so doing so, she made her decision. She made a decision by really making, not making a decision for freedom, but one for her own self and her own self-destruction. And she became uh, a pillar of salt. Uh, and that shrine of unbelief and mistrust and distrust in God and his deliverance still resides today. Why? All because she ignored the repeated warnings. And the warnings that were repeated were this. Don't look back. Don't look back. And in conclusion, I want to challenge us all not to look back. Not to look back. You know, we know that uh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came as a sacrifice for our sins, the Bible says. He, <coughs> excuse me, he came to rescue us and deliver us from our destructive paths. And just like Lot, we all pitched our tent towards sin. Isn't that right? We pitched our tent towards Sodom, the world, worldliness, and things like that, and not following Jesus wholeheartedly. And we still have our tent. <clears throat> we have one opening that opens up to where Jesus is out there, and then we have another tent opening that is whatever that may be. <clears throat> another opening. And Jesus came, hear me, to rescue us from the destructive path that we were on. But you know what? Many of us, we chose not that pathway. And even though time and time again we hear the truth of the Word of God, we hear the, the, the good news of the gospel, we still refuse. 
It's so sad. We still refuse. We still refuse. And so <clears throat> Jesus has given us an escape route, my friends. He's given us all an escape route. And it's for some of you, I'm, I'm speaking to you, you don't know the Lord. You're not born again. <clears throat> You're not right with God. The answer from destruction is Jesus. That's the answer. Receiving Christ in your life. But also for the, the rest of us, and many of us, you know, we're on a destructive path. Sin is destructive, my friend. And to think that you can continue in as a believer, as a Christian, knowingly sinning and disobeying and pretending everything is all right, my friends, you're on the road to destruction. Uh, you're on a, on a dangerous path. Well, God is long-suffering. Absolutely, He is. He is, as I shared that earlier about <clears throat> Methuselah. He is long-suffering. But you know what? It costs. Sin costs us. And Jesus is challenging each and every one of us to get right with him. To get right with him. This is the season during this pandemic that God is putting his finger on each and every one of our lives. And he's asking us this question. He's asking us. And I believe the Lord is asking this question of, of each and every one of us. And I'm, I'm, this is what I feel. God is saying, you know what? Uh, what am I to do in this season? Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And God has an answer for each and every one of you. Maybe there's some things you need to lay down. Maybe some things you need to confess. Uh, maybe some things you need to make right. Uh, maybe some things you need to stop looking back. Come on, somebody, and keep looking forward. You say, Pastor, I keep looking back. Hey, listen, I get it. But you know what? If you fall, fall forward and get back up and draw near to God. See, you know, that's how you replace. If you constantly look at something, you're going to be drawn to that, right? It's obvious. But you know what? If you keep continuing to look to the Lord, look to, you know, his people and, and, and godly men and women, and you're active in that and you're engaged, you, you'll have less and less an appetite for that. I'm not saying it's going to totally go away. You know what? A lot of these things sometimes like, you know, uh, you know, uh, we walk with a limp like in the Old Testament, the, uh, 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 you know, who was his, his thigh was a Jacob thigh. He walked and became Israel, a prince with God, but he walked with the limp the rest of his life. Some of these things, they won't go away. It's not that you totally forget them and, you know, they, they may still be there. They may still haunt you, which you may feel at time, but you have authority over them. Amen. We have authority. So we know it's a journey. And the things of God, um, <clears throat> it's a journey. We know that it's a journey of holiness. God has called us on. I know that's not a, a popular word today. And sanctification and holiness. And, you know, those are not popular words today. But they're still true. And they're still in the Bible. And, and, and when I read my Bible, they're still in there. And, and, he, and hear me, I'm not coming from a, 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 a pedestal of that I've arrived and Hopefully you don't get that and you don't feel that from my life. And uh, I come up with that statement. If you fall, fall forward because so many times I've fallen. And I know the only answer is not staying down. It's not mollowing in, uh, you know, uh, muddling in that, that filth. It, it's getting back up and believing and trusting in God's righteousness and goodness that he loves you and his face is towards you. 
Come on, somebody. Amen? And that, and that even though you feel filthy and in that stain of sin, He is here to wash you and cleanse you and pick you back up and as only He can do it. Amen? So it's a, it's a journey becoming more and more like Him as we draw closer to Him. Scripture says that we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. See, friends, the Holy Spirit, I believe, has transformational things that He wants to do to us, in us, and through us right now, right here we're at and in the future. I believe that. Jesus is not finished with you. The transformation work is not done. You say, well, when is it done? When you give up your last breath, <laughs> when you go home to be with the Lord. That's when the transformation ends and your new life in Christ begins in heaven. But watch this. Jesus reminds us in Luke 9, 62. Watch this. He said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And, and, and many of you, you're, 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 you've got your hand to that plow, but you, you know what? You keep looking back. You, you, you know what? I remember when. I remember, you know, B.C., before Christ. And, and see, here's the thing. Satan plays for keeps. That's why, hear me, young people, if there are any young people listening, don't buy into the lie. Don't buy into the lie that, you know, you, you, you have to try and experiment everything. And, and don't buy into the lie that says, you know, uh, you know what, I just want to do it on my own and figure it out on my own self. Trust Jesus. Trust, follow the Lord. You know, I made that decision. Uh, I, I wasn't perfect, but I made the decision, you know what, I'm going to have a made up mind. I'm going to follow the Lord and, and not, 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 not embrace what, you know, Satan is throwing out out there and, and, and all these things. And Once again, I'm not saying that I was perfect, but you know what, I'm grateful and thankful that I didn't go down those pathways and God had mercy upon me, and, but I was also choices I had to make. Amen. There's still choices that we have to make. <clears throat> and, and I know what it's like to set my hand to the plow, and I know what it's like to look back. <clears throat> it's painful. It's not fun. It's not fun. And God wants, to, wants us to keep holding on to that plow, spiritually speaking. Keep moving forward. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, not some movable object. Amen. Keep our eyes fixed on Him. And so what are we trying to say? God is saying, hey, stop dragging your feet. Amen. Stop dragging your feet. Some of you, that's a word for you. You need to, oh God, stop dragging your feet. And we can't look back. We can't secretly long for the lifestyle we once had before we came to know Jesus. And some of you are longing still for that lifestyle. You know, you got to take charge of your thoughts. You got to take charge of your thoughts and resist that. You know, at times I have to say, you know what, Satan? No, I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. I cast that down, as, as 2 Corinthians says, casting down imaginations. Instead of letting this stuff just fly in your brain, it's kind of, well, I guess that's just me. It's who I am. And I, I'm just uh, addicted. You know, that's a lie. You have authority. God's word says that. So you need to take charge of your thoughts. Nobody can do that but you. And, and take in charge of your vessel. So, and so, <clears throat> you know, Jesus came that we could put the past behind. Amen. And so, so don't allow the past become a, the past to become a stumbling block for you today. Don't allow the past to become a speed bump as you follow Jesus. I, I, I love this quote. I'm just going to say this. God loves you where you're at, but he doesn't want to leave you there. Did you get that? I'm going to say that again. God loves you where you're at, but he doesn't want to leave you there. Why? Because he wants to shape you. He wants to mold you into the person he has planned uh, for you since the beginning of creation. Amen. And so he has unique things that he wants to do in and through your life. But you need to be willing 
willing to say, yes, Lord, here am I. And so it's, it's time to, to, I believe it's time to turn the page in the next chapter of a life and don't look back. You know, we're coming to the end of this COVID-19 and this crazy pandemic and uh, businesses are open up and churches. And, 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 and so it was a season of confinement. It was a season of restriction. But you know what? There's a new chapter coming. Amen. And I just want to challenge you, there's a new chapter, is a new chapter that God has, a new chapter in our lives. And I just want to encourage you to take that step of faith, if I could say it that way. Take that step of faith and be obedient. Be obedient in what God has for you. Can you say amen? I want to, I want to pray for you now. Uh, take, uh, pray uh, for those of you, number one, that, that are not right with the Lord. You, and your lifestyle has been one of, you know what, I, I'm just, I feel like I'm enjoying and where I'm at, I'm in Sodom. But hear me, judgment is coming and God has given you and he is such a merciful God. He will give you your whole life, which really in light of eternity is a, is a, is a vapor. He'll give you a whole life to come to this place. He'll bring people across your pathway, messages like this and going forth and hearing things. And, and, and you can be like lots of wives like, yeah, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. And he will give you a whole life. But the moment you die, you're going to need to face your creator. And you're not going to have the opportunity when you die to make excuses. That's not the time to say, well, when I'm in heaven, well, you know what? I see everything now. You were right. And I guess I was wrong, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to, well, can I accept you now? It's too late. This is your time now on this earth. He said, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right with God. I want to pray for you right now. Just settle yourself right where you're at. Maybe you're, you know, in the living room, kitchen, wherever you may be, and you're watching here, maybe listening online. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right. I need to get right with God. Uh, I've been looking back, and uh, I'm, I'm not right with Jesus. If you want to get right with the Lord, the Bible says, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Pray this simple prayer with me. It's a simple prayer, but it's a very powerful prayer. You're asking Christ to come in your life, to change you, to forgive you, to wash away all that filth and stain, and to give you a new, fresh beginning. If that's you, say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life today. Now take it. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. I thank you for saving me. I will serve you the rest of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, we have some materials that we'd like to get to you free of charge. You just, uh, uh, there's a little screen that's going up right now that tells you how you can get in contact with us, how we can minister to you and help you on your journey and get you plugged in uh, and get you, you know, out of destruction and into, into life, into life. And that's a process and that's a journey. But as I conclude, I want to pray for those of you who are believers and Christians, and you say, Pastor, that's me. When you said about Lot that he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, even though God called him righteous still, amazing. That's amazing how God even say he was, but he was. Uh, uh, but he was vexed with his culture. 
God is here to wash us and cleanse us and restore us if you will humble yourself before the Lord. I want to pray for you, Christian. Sir, ma'am, young person, I want to pray for you right now. And I believe this is a time, and I don't know if you need to separate yourself or, or maybe you're in, uh, you just quiet yourself where you're at. Maybe you need to get on your knees right now. I don't know. Or just quietly pray right where you're at or bow your head. I want to pray for you. And this prayer is for believers now, Christians who claim Christ, but you're like Lot. You've been living in Sodom. You haven't been living for Jesus. And, and you like, you know, all those good messages of how God has a great plan for your life. It's love, joy, peace, and happiness. And, that's, and those are important. But you need to get this right first. You need to get this right and get on the right path. And you know, even though you listen to those messages and they may encourage you and they have a time and place in your life, I'm speaking, I believe the Spirit of God is speaking specifically to some of you here today, many of you, that you need to get right and you've been disobedient and God is saying, you know what, I'm extending my mercy, but there comes a time. There comes a time Well, sin will take you further than you want to go and it's going to cost you. This is a time to get right. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you. Repeat this after me. Say this. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I humble myself before you. Jesus, I surrender my life afresh and anew today. Jesus, I have lived for myself. I have lived for my flesh. And I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you wash me clean. Jesus, I give you my life. Take it. Jesus, this day I make a decision. I set my hand to the plow. Holy Spirit, help me keep my hands in my face, in my eyes, looking unto Jesus. Show me what my next steps are. Help me to focus upon you, to be in your word, to be in prayer, to be back in fellowship with your, 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 your church body. Jesus, change my life from the inside out. I give it to you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, church. I believe you prayed that prayer with all sincerity. I believe God, the Spirit of God, has reached out even through this, this broadcast. And His presence is right there with you right now, changing you, bringing deliverance and freedom. Because why? There's power in the name of Jesus. And there's cleansing and forgiveness and restoration in Christ alone. Amen, church. Amen. Well, uh, this was our. This will be our, our last broadcast uh, through uh, this uh, uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Once again, we're resuming services the 31st of May, Pentecost Sunday. We're coming together as a church to worship in person. And so we hope to see uh, you there that are able to make it. We love you all. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Amen.